had preaching like you had this morning all week. Uh, Y'all are charged up, amen. And, uh, what a blessing that was, preacher. Thank you so much. How timely. Uh, the day that Daniel lived in sure does look familiar to the day that we're looking, looking at. And um, I do believe that our faith is being challenged and will continue to be challenged. And uh, I just pray that I can be like Daniel. And I hope that you will be as well. Amen. And if he was able to be faithful, then I don't know why we can't. We serve the same God. Amen. And uh, preacher, again, thank you so much for the tremendous message this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with us to the book of John. John chapter number 1 this morning. Uh, we'll look for just a little while, see what the Lord does. John chapter number 1. Um, kind of like Brother Austin, I apologize for coming in here to the last service of your jubilee. Uh, we did a youth camp this week in North Wilkesboro and um, thank the Lord for the good time that we had there. And um, been a while, it'd been a, actually been a pretty good while since I'd seen a soul saved, to be honest. And a Thursday night, got to see four birthed into the family of God. And uh, that, that, uh, that helped me, that helped me a sight. And uh, I know he's still in the saving business whether we see it or not, but it's good to see it every now and then, amen, and I thank the Lord for that, and uh, y'all pray for us, um, uh, we'll be pulling out from here and headed to Lexington, North Carolina, and we have, uh, we have a mission school this week that we'll be doing, and week after next, we are headed, my wife and I, to the country of Scotland, and um, let me say I appreciate y'all sending your pastor, um, Brother Nick and Brother Todd will be flying in and landing the day that my wife and I fly out of the same airport. So um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll say hello or, or goodbye as we, <laughs> as we pass, amen. And uh, we're looking forward to that. John chapter number one, if you found your place in Canon Abel, let's, let's stand just for a few minutes as we read our text together. John chapter number one, and beginning in verse number one. The Bible said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Let me stop right here and say as we read the rest of these verses, I want you to notice how many times just the word Him is used. And then also notice there's other references to Him. But the word him, that pronoun is used several times. So let's, let's read verse 3 again. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, 
full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank You again for the privilege You've given us to come this way. We want to thank You for what we've already heard this morning, how You've stirred and moved in our hearts. We thank You, Lord, for the good singing and, Lord, the good preaching. Now, Lord, for the next few minutes, as we take the time to look into the Word of God one more time, we do ask You for help. We ask You, Lord, to move in our midst and speak to hearts. And, Lord, just do what only God can do throughout the rest of this service. And, Lord, whatever You do, we'll try our very best to thank You for it, Lord, to praise You, to give You all the glory for anything accomplished. Lord, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. And amen. Thank you. You can be seated. As we look in the book of John this morning, just read these first 18 verses of chapter number 1, we can already see that there begins to be a theme with these verses that we have read. We pointed out to you how many times the word Him is used. So it's at least these first 18 verses is pretty much all about Him. Amen. But now I'd, I'd say this, if we'd taken time to read the rest of chapter number 1, I want you to know that theme would continue. It's still going to be all about Him. Now that Him is not John. That Him is the Lord Jesus Christ. If we'd taken time this morning to read chapter number 2, then chapter number 2 continues with that same theme. It's all about Him. If we'd read chapter 3, chapter 3 continues the same theme. It's all about Him. I think you have an idea of where we're headed. If we'd continue to read the rest of the book, all of the gospel according to John, we would find that that theme goes through the entire book. It's all about Him. Amen. I want to preach if the Lord helped me for just a little while this morning. On that thought, it's all about Him. Amen. Or at least I'll say it this way. It ought to be all about Him. Amen. Now, I, I want to take for a little while this morning and we're just going to kindly survey the book of John. I'm not going to take time to preach it verse by verse, so don't get nervous about that. Amen. We're just going to kindly highlight, kindly just give you a summary of the gospel according to John. We see, first of all, there is a theme around the gospel of John. It's all about Him. Now let me say this real quickly, and I'll probably come back to this some. I think it'd help us this morning if we had a little understanding of the time associated with the gospel of John. If I've got my history right, uh, Brother Nick, he, he pinned these words down somewhere between 85 and 96 A.D. That's going to be real important to us this morning. Somewhere between 85 and 96 A.D. If that's the case, then that means that John is an old preacher man. When the Holy Ghost moved upon him to first take the pen 
and begin to write. That means that John has been in ministry somewhere around 50 years or more when the Holy Ghost led him to write. If, if it's between 85 and 96 A.D., when John begins to write, then that means that Matthew's work has already been done. That means that Mark's work was finished. That means that Luke's work was all, all done, both, both the gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts. That also means that Peter's work was finished. James's work was done. That even means that the apostle Paul's work was already completed when John first took the pen and began to write. He is the last writer in our Bibles. We know that he wrote the gospel according to John. We know that he wrote the epistles of John. And then, of course, we know that he writes the Revelation. Amen? And I, there's several things I'd like to say right here, and maybe I'll mention them later. But I, I thought about this. If I felt like that God wanted me to pin down a gospel, if if God, and by the way, there's only one gospel, okay? There's not four gospels. There's one gospel but four writers, amen? And if I felt led, I think I would have anyway, if I'd felt led to write a, another book, there's a good chance knowing me, now I hope you're not like me, but knowing me, I would have probably, Brother Austin, I'd laid out Matthew's work over here, and I'd probably laid out Mark's work back yonder and laid out all Luke's work over here. And probably what I would have done, I'd probably took the highlights from each one of them. And I'd put them all together and I'd said, there it is, Lord. Amen. That ain't what John done. It's almost the opposite of that. It seems like what those other writers majored on, John didn't mention a whole lot. And a whole lot of what they didn't mention, John did. Amen. And so now here's the old preacher. Let's see. Let's see if you can picture it with me this morning. I'm told that according to history, he's living in Ephesus at the time when he writes this. Now here's the old preacher. Life hadn't been too kind to him. And the Holy Ghost has moved upon him. And it's led him over to the desk. And he's led to take the pen and dip it in ink and begin to write. And here's what the Holy Ghost is going to do. It's going to take the old preacher down memory's lane. Going to remind him of the time that he got to spend on, with, with the Lord here on earth. Amen. So we'll come back to that in a little while. There is a theme around the Gospel of John. Uh, we've mentioned the timing associated with the Gospel of John. And I feel like it's important to mention this. There was a trust achieved before the gospel of John. I want to make a statement this morning. Let's see if you'll agree with me. If the Lord Jesus would have had a best friend while he was here, I think I could make a case that it's probably old John. What do y'all, I mean, I can't prove that, but I've got some good evidence of it, okay? You, you might try to say, well, I, I don't know, preacher, probably Peter might have got I don't know about that, but let me give you a couple of reasons why I think that John may have got the closer to the Lord than anybody else. By the way, before I go on any farther, I want to make this statement. You are as close to the Lord as you want to be. Amen. If you want to get closer to the Lord, you can. He's not built no fences or boundaries around himself to keep us away. 
you want to get close to the Lord, you can. Amen. And I believe old John probably got closer to him than anybody else did. And a couple of reasons for that. Go with me real quickly, if you can, into that upper room. Now, it's not long before Calvary, and Jesus is gathered with his disciples there in that upper room, and they're literally partaking of the Lord's Supper. Amen. And Jesus is going to make a statement while he's sitting there with his disciples. Do y'all remember what he said? He said, one of you is going to betray me. Y'all remember that? And almost simultaneously, each one of those disciples begin to ask a question. Do you remember the question they begin to ask? They said, Lord, is it I? Another one said, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it... Well, oh, John, he asked a question, but he didn't ask the same question that the rest of them did. Do y'all remember what John asked? He asked it this way, Who is it, Lord? He didn't say, Is it I? It's almost to say he knew it wasn't going to be him. And by the way, when he said, Who is it, Lord? He had his head leaned over into the bosom of the Lord Jesus himself. Amen. I don't know if anybody got any closer to Jesus than what old John did. By the way, about every time John referred to himself, he just called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Amen. If you're still not convinced, go with me to Calvary right quickly in your minds. I want to ask you a question. Who is there at the foot of the cross as the Lord is paying the sin debt of the world? Can I tell you who's not there? Peter was not at the foot of the cross. He's following from afar. None of the rest of the disciples can be seen at the foot of the cross. We see Mary, the Lord's mother, is there at the foot of the cross. Uh, The other Mary is mentioned to be at the foot of the cross. And then there's that disciple whom Jesus loved. He's there at the foot of the cross. John went all the way with the Lord Jesus Christ. None of the rest of them did that. Amen. And by the way, while Jesus is lifted up between the heavens and the earth, paying the sin debt of mankind, he looks down at the foot of the cross and he sees his mother there. A grieving, broken-hearted mama, a weeping for her son that is being crucified on an old rugged cross. And right beside his mother is that disciple whom Jesus... Y'all remember what Jesus said to him? He looked down at his mother and he said, Woman, behold thy son, referring to old John. And he looked at John and he said, Behold thy mother. And from that day forward, the Bible said uh, that he took her into his own home. Amen. Uh, Now, I believe uh, shortly after Calvary, uh, right after the resurrection, ten days later, as a matter of fact, we'll see John and Mary present again in that upper room as they are awaiting Pentecost. Amen. But then when Pentecost came, it's Peter the one that is standing and preaching the Word of God on the day of Pentecost. After that, you've got the first half of the book of Acts mainly focusing on Peter. And then the last half of the book of Acts is mainly focused on Paul. I want to ask you a question. Where is John? Good question. I do believe... He's taken care of the Lord's mother. I I tried to find some history. If y'all ever run across anything, please let me know. 
But according to history, I couldn't find any timeline as to how long Mary lived. There's no date. There's no record of her death. I'm not sure how long she lived. But I do believe this with all my heart. Right up till she took her last breath, John has stayed by her side. As Peter's out on the forefront, as Paul then steps on the scene and takes the gospel to the Gentiles, I believe John's in the background. I believe he's just doing what his Lord bid him to do. You see, the Lord gave him a special task of taking care of his mother. So I believe John achieved a trust before he ever picked up the pen. Amen. That may be the reason why it's 85 to 96 A.D. before we hear anything out of John. Amen. We, we've noticed there's a theme associated with the Gospel of John or around the Gospel of John. And then we've mentioned the timing associated with the Gospel of John. And I've mentioned now a trust achieved before the Gospel of John. Uh, let me mention this one real quickly. I, I then thought about the, uh, the thrills that are abounding in the Gospel of John. As the Holy Ghost, y'all help me here, as the Holy Ghost takes the old preacher down memory's lane, he's pinning down now, and I, I can only imagine the thoughts that's coming to his head, the emotions that might have been involved as the Holy Ghost now is moving on the old preacher. He, he don't want more than get into chapter number two. It's when the Holy Ghost is taking them all the way back to when they was invited to a wedding in Canaan. Amen. Oh, it might have been a long time since they was there together that day, but the Holy Ghost has made it real clear to the old preacher and reminded him what happened that great day. You see, the earthly or the public ministry of the Lord Jesus really has not begun when he gets into chapter number 2. And they've been invited to this wedding and it almost looks like that it's probably somebody that may even be a family member of the Lord Jesus or, or Mary, at least a close friend. And, and Mary's there, Jesus is there. Of course, all these disciples are there. And I don't have time to get into detail. i got a long way to go. So I'll just mention it in passing. It was a big deal in that day to run out of wine. Okay, I mean, I'm told that, that according to their customs, totally different now, but according to their customs, the fact that they ran out of wine, the host could have been held in a breach of hospitality because they ran out. I, don't, I can't explain all that. don't understand it all, to be honest with you. But it's a big deal. Okay, and they've ran out of wine, and now Mary is concerned. Y'all remember that, don't you? And Mary knows who Jesus is. If anybody knew he's the Son of God, she did. Amen. And she knew by him being the Son of God, he could do something. Amen. So she puts the pressure, now if you will, if you can do that, she's put a little pressure on the Lord. He softly rebukes his mother. Woman, my time's not yet come. She ignores him. Okay? And she looks over at some servants and she just said, Whatsoever he saith unto you, you do that. 
Well, Jesus, then y'all remember what happened, don't you? There were some water pots there, and he told them servants, fill up those water pots. They did. They filled them up to the brim. And somehow or another, the first miracle, he turned that water into wine. John was there. And the Holy Ghost reminded him of that. One of what went through his mind that day. When the Lord has just performed this great miracle of turning that water I mean, they, they saw it coming out of the spigot. Amen. That's water coming out of that spigot. But when they turned it up and filled their cups, it's wine. Not just any wine, neither. Amen. Oh, but little did John know, the Lord's just getting started. <laughs> oh, he's in for it. Amen. You get over to chapter number three, and the Holy Ghost reminds him a time when Nicodemus, that, that ruler, came to him by night. And he's got a question for the Lord. And he's reminded the Lord's answer. And he told him, you must be born again. i got to hurry. Y'all remember, get down quickly to verse 16. Y'all remember verse 16 of chapter 3. Let me, let me throw something out here real quickly. Please don't ever get too big for John 3.16. Don't ever think you've outgrown that. Amen. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think you can do no better than John 3.16. Amen. I used to preach that's for the little ones to quote. I'm all for them quoting it. Amen. Teach it to them while they're young and let them, let them put it back on in the memory bank so they won't never re- forget it. Amen. I, and I love to hear them quote it. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I love to hear a preacher preach it, don't you? You can't, you can't take no better text than John 3. Amen. I, but can you imagine hearing that roll off the lips of the Lord himself? For God takes that pen. For God. So. Holy Ghost probably emphasized that little word so. So love the world. I, I don't know his physical condition, but I can almost see John probably had to lay the pen down a time or two. He probably had to wipe back a few tears. The Holy Ghost has reminded him. I don't know if he's able. Nick, he, he probably put the pen down a time or two and probably took a lap. It, it, it might have been a slow lap, but he probably, he probably walked around a little bit. And he probably throwed up both hands a time or two. I'm talking about it's the Holy Ghost. It's reminding him of some special things and special times that he got to spend with the Lord. Uh, the Holy Ghost reminds him in chapter 4 of when they must needs to go to Samaria. Amen. Uh, and they had that encounter with the woman at the well. And the Holy Ghost reminded him of how she ran through the streets saying, Come see a man. Hey, the Holy Ghost reminds him in chapter 5 of that impotent man down yonder by the pool. Hey, wilt thou be made whole? Hey, Amen. The Holy Ghost has reminded him what happened on the hillside in chapter number 6 as the Lord took a lunch of a little lad of five barley loaves and two small fishes and satisfied the hunger of the multitudes. The Holy Ghost reminded him of late that night when they're out there on the water and the winds was 
boisterous. And about that time, they look. Oh, they thought it's the Spirit at first. But no, it's the Lord Jesus Himself coming to them, walking on the water. Hey, I ain't got time to preach every chapter. Get over to chapter number 10. The Holy Ghost is reminded old John of when the Lord said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for us. Amen. Holy Ghost reminds him. Chapter number 11. they gotten word. He whom thou lovest is sick. Lazarus is sick. But they tarry. They don't go to Lazarus. No doubt there's some mumbling. There's some talk around. Why don't we go check on Lazarus? But you all know what happened. They showed up in Bethany four days late. Amen. And then when they get there, Martha runs out to meet the Lord and said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He's reminded when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. And then the Lord reminds John that Jesus asked a question, said, where have you laid him? Y'all remember that, don't you? said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. They go out yonder to the graveyard. Y'all with me, ain't you? They go out yonder to the graveyard and they say, there's a stone covering the tomb of Lazarus. He said, move that stone. They're all wondering why they're out there in the cemetery anyhow. they probably thinking, I guess the Lord just wanted to show his respects. Amen. But then about that time, I don't know if he ever had to clear his throat or not, but about that time he said, Lazarus, don't you know every eye went to the opening of that tomb? John's probably, hey, he's flesh and blood. John's probably thinking, uh-uh. Uh, ain't no way. But about that time Jesus said, Come forth. And there he come. He that was dead, still wrapped in grave clothes, comes out from the old tomb. Alive. Thank oh, I'm talking about the thrills that are accumulated in the gospel of John. I got to hurry. Run with me to Calvary. I'm telling you, they're gathered together right after Calvary. Their hearts are broken. They're confused. They don't know what they're going to do. And they're gathered together somewhere in a room together but the women were up early that morning and went down to the sepulcher to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus. Y'all remember, don't you? But a little while later, they come back running and they said, we were down at the sepulcher and the tomb was empty. Amen. And he's not there. And the Holy Ghost reminds him and lets him throw this in. He said, and he did outrun Peter. Hey, John and Peter ran down yonder to the tomb can you imagine as the Holy Ghost is reminding him of all these things? Whew. Thrills. <laughs> and let me say this. Yeah, we've, we've talked about the, the theme around the Gospel of John, the timing associated with the Gospel of John, the trust achieved before the Gospel of John, the thrills accumulated in the Gospel of John. But let me mention this one. Then I thought about the truths abounding in the Gospel of John. It's been some time ago now, but uh, one of our trips, we went down to the country of Honduras. We've got to go down there several times. As a matter of fact, Lord willing, in September, we'll be headed back to the country of Honduras. One of our trips down to Honduras, Brother Nick, we had the opportunity to fill a container with supplies five months in advance before our trip and send that container on down to the country of Honduras so those supplies would be there when we got there. 
Now we put some hygiene items and some gifts and things on there just to be a help, be a blessing uh, to some of those people and some of our missionaries. Uh, but also on that container, we put 11,000 John and Romans scripture portions. Now they were in Spanish. I would have loved to have been able to send down 11,000 Spanish Bibles, but we wasn't able to do that. So we did the next best thing. We sent down scripture portions. John, and I want to ask y'all a question. Why John and Romans? Why? Why not Genesis and Leviticus? They ain't no bad books, are they? They all good. But why John and Romans? I think I know why. No two books do a better job of introducing the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, to an old wretched sinner like me and you. Amen. Now, John in his writing of this book, I'm going to be honest with you, he didn't get real deep. Y'all okay with that? He didn't use no big fancy terms or terminology. He used simple language. He used the word that translates to the word no, K-N-O-W, used that one 142 times. He used the word that translates into the word believe a hundred times. Used the word father 118, just simple terminology. But with that simple terminology, he pinned down a book that is literally abounding in spiritual truth. I, I can't preach them all, but can I highlight them for you real quickly? It's in chapter number one that we'll find that He's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's a light that shineth in darkness. In chapter 2, He's the destroyed temple that was raised again in three days. In chapter 3, He's the only begotten Son. In chapter 4, He's the living water. In chapter 5, He's the one that can make you whole. In chapter number 6, He is the bread of life. In chapter number 7, He's a river flowing from within. He's a stumbling block of the Pharisees. In chapter number 8 he's the forgiver of sin he's the light of the world in chapter number 9 he's the giver of sight to the blind in chapter number 10 he's the good shepherd and he's the door in chapter number 11 he is the resurrection and life in chapter number 12 he's worthy in chapter number 13 he's a servant to be served in chapter number 14 he's the way the truth and the life in chapter number 15 he's the vine we're the branches in chapter number 16 He's the comforter in chapter number 17. He's the interceder in chapter number 18. He's tried and found innocent in chapter number 19. He's the one that's finished in chapter number 20. He's alive and in chapter number 20, He bids us to come and die. Amen. Truths abounding in the Gospel of John. We've mentioned there's a theme around the Gospel of John, the, the timing associated with the Gospel of John. A trust was achieved before the Gospel of John. Thrills accumulated in the Gospel of John. Truths abounding in the Gospel of John. But here's something I want to share with you. 
Then I thought about the tears that accompanied the Gospel of John. <laughs> that's, that's what I would have thought too. If I thought about the tears in John, I would run to 1135. Jesus wept. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not thinking of Jesus' tears. I'm thinking of John's tears. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, I believe John shed, probably shed quite a few tears by the time he's took the pen. You say, preacher, I still ain't with you. Hang on. I believe that John has shed some tears over a place. Remember, according to history, if it's somewhere between 85 96 A.D. when he pinned that down. If that's the case, there is a reason he's writing this in Ephesus. Okay. Y'all rec- remember what happened according to history in 70 A.D.? Does anybody know? That's when Titus came through. Not the preaching Titus. When Titus came through and wiped out Jerusalem. Destroyed the temple and the city. If that be the case, his church was destroyed. His home was destroyed. Let me ask you a question. What, what would it do to you if somebody came through your community and destroyed your church and your home where you grew up, where you lived, was lying in ruin? I wouldn't doubt what he had shed some tears over place. And I also believe he's probably shed some tears over some personal things. Again, you're going to have to look to history. But I'm told according to history, see if you've heard this, at one time they dipped the body of John in boiling oil. You ever heard that before? That's history. They've not been kind. And if he's anything like me, and he wasn't. He's so much more than I'll ever be. But I know how I would be. Y'all understand, and I'm, y'all, y'all going to have to hang with me, but there are heartaches in life. There's heartbreak in life. There's hardships in, I want to say, ministry, in Christianity. Y'all understand that, don't you? And I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell on myself. I get pretty weak sometimes. Actually, a whole lot of the time. And uh, I, wonder what, I wonder what John's been through. I wonder what he's, and what he's thought. I wonder what he did, or what he thought after they got through with him and they tortured him. Scarred. Can you imagine what boiling oil would do to your body? You'd probably sat down at times and wiped away the tears and said, Lord, it's been tough. I believe he shed some tears over some personal things. But I do I do believe this one for sure. He might have shed some tears over a place. Might have shed some tears over some personal things. But I'll guarantee he shed some tears over some people. If he wrote this between 85 and 96 A.D., that means, y'all remember, y'all remember a young man by the name of Stephen? 
a young preacher boy. He's already been stoned to death. Ain't no doubt in my mind John got word. John, did you hear? Did you hear about Stephen? No, what, what's happened to Stephen? Well, John, they just they stoned him to death down on them streets. He wrote this between 85 and 96 A.D. Of course, that means James has already been beheaded by Herod. We know John knew about that. That also means that Matthew has already been slain with a halibut. That also means that Mark has already been dragged to pieces by the people of Alexandria. That also means that Luke has already been hanged in an olive tree. That also means that Peter, oh Peter, John Peter ran together, literally. Lost, I've often wondered. Or how many times John and Peter laid out under the stars at night, talked about things. John, you heard about Peter? No, what's happened to Peter? John, we just got word that they, they crucified him. He, he said he wasn't worthy to be crucified like Jesus, so they crucified him upside down. He wrote this between 85 and 96 A.D. Then somebody's done came to John and said, John, you heard about Paul? No. What's happened to Paul? They, they took him prisoner to Rome. And, and this, this morning, John, they, they beheaded him. They beheaded Paul. It's between 85 and 96 A.D. That means that Thomas has already been thrust through with a spear. Philip's already been beaten, thrown in prison, and then crucified. Uh, that was in 54 A.D. That means that Philip's already been beaten and, and uh, also crucified. That means that Jude was crucified in Asia, 72 A.D. That means that Andrew has already been crucified. That means that Bartholomew's already been skinned alive and beheaded. That means that James the Less has already been beaten to death with a club. That means that Matthias has already been stoned to death and beheaded in the streets of Jerusalem. If he wrote this between 85 and 96 A.D., get a hold of this. He's the only one. They're all gone. Let me ask you a question. Would you blame John if he didn't just want to unload? Y'all know what I'm saying, don't you? If that had been me, and I had a chance to write a book. I think I think it would been I think it'd been okay if I took a chapter and just told everybody how tough it's been. Y'all with me? Just just tell everybody just how difficult it's been to follow Jesus. I wouldn't blame him, would you? But John ain't like me. 
You know what John said? If I get to write a book, it's going to be all about him. Amen. That's good. I believe John would have said it this way. If you don't give me but a chapter, it's going to be all about him. John would have probably said, if you just give me one verse, it's going to be all about him. He said, preach, what's that got to do with us? We ain't writing no book. Oh, yes, you are. You may not have pen and paper, but your life is going down on the pages of time. And I want to ask y'all a question, including myself. What's it all about with us? What's it all about? Listen to us. Let's sit down and talk. What's it all about? is it all about what's your life what's my life what's it all about can I be honest with you I don't know y'all too well and y'all don't know me that's probably a blessing for y'all but let me say it this way it's all about what we love the most it is I don't even hardly have to know you just give me a few minutes with you I'll probably find out what it's all about. Especially outside the church house. Amen. Somebody said it this way. Give me your calendar and your checkbook. And I'll know what it's all about. We make it about what we love the most. I've already mentioned it this morning. I ain't been here in no time. I've already mentioned it this morning. We're fixing to have our eighth grandbaby. Y'all just have to forgive me. I'm just apt to pull out a picture and show you a picture. You know why? I love my grandbabies. <laughs> I love my kids too, don't get me wrong, but now they just something about them grandbabies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we make it about what we love the most. I, I'm, I'm trying not to hurt us too bad. I'm wanting to help us. Oh, please, Lord. But what if we went out in the parking lot for a little while and fellowshiped? What's the subject that's going to come up? In this day and time, and I'm not trying to kick us, sir. But you can't, you can't hold a conversation anymore without, without some kind of sport coming up. Some locations, some places are a lot worse than others. Brother Austin can say amen to that if you travel out. You go to Tennessee or Alabama, Georgia, especially now. Amen. Just, it's going to get brought up. You know why? I'm just being honest. I'm trying not to hurt us, but we love it. People love it. And, and we're in the mountains. Hey, I grew up in the mountains too. Uh, hunting? Something we can sit down, we can talk about it, can't we? Fishing? No problem. I gotta ask you a question. Does Jesus ever make the page? I, I know on Sunday's pages. Yeah, he's a big part of Sunday's page. But what about Monday's page? Saturday's page? Thursday or Friday? 
I'm afraid in all honesty, at least with me, please Lord forgive me, Jesus don't even make a page sometimes. But not with old John. John said it's going to be all about him. <laughs> Give you an example. I'm, I'm on. He told me not to let y'all out for 12. It's three minutes till. Okay. Y'all okay? I'll throw the time out every now and then just to keep you from having to look at your watch. I wasn't raised in church. I had a good mom and daddy, and they later regretted that, but I wasn't ever taken to church. I, I did get saved when I was nine. Believe that with all my heart. An old-fashioned cottage prayer meeting in my mamaw's living room. Believe that. Even after I got saved, still didn't take me to church. I'd bum rides with neighbors. Robbinsville, North Carolina, they ain't nobody got no bus ministries or van ministries. If I if they had been, I'd have been a bus kid. I would have been. So I got up my teenage years. I'm not trying to make excuse, but I got up my teenage years, man, I started straying. And it's eating me up. It helped me know I saved. I said, Lord, I do want to live right, I do. He said, but I don't know how. Help me, Lord. And the Lord answered my prayer. He sent that lady to me right back yonder. She'd been brought up in church all her life. Her uncle was the only pastor she'd ever known. Brother J.B. Smith, y'all probably never heard of him. He never got out of the mountains. But he's old-timey, gun barrel straight. He's one of them old-timey preachers that called you down from the pulpit. He would. She'd been brought up right. Met her, and when I did, I fell in love. Head over heels. This was in 1990. I was in the guard at the time. And, and old Saddam Hussein, y'all remember him? He's making a racket over yonder in the desert. And we got married. And right after we got married, my phone rang. And they mobilized us and sent us to Desert Storm. We got over there. And I'm going to be honest, I was honored to do what my country, and I'll do it again, by the way. But I'm going to be honest, I got so homesick. I had a brand new bride back at the house. And they took me away from her and put me with a bunch of ugly men and told me I couldn't go home. And this was the days before cell phones. It was pay phones in them days. I was an MP, so I, I had a vehicle. We, he's able to come and go quite often. And we'd pass a pay phone and I was a 60 gunner that sat up in the turret and I'd holler down in the vehicle and I said, there's a payphone, stop. And they'd stop and I'd run over there to that payphone and I'd call collect. Just wanted to hear the voice. I had an old buddy, a buddy of mine that was with me over there. He's a preacher now in western North Carolina. And, and I can give you his phone number. His name's Ernie. 
and you can call Ernie up and ask Ernie. Say, Ernie, what Brother Crisp talk about while y'all was over in the desert? You know what he's going to say without hesitation? Gene, Gene, Gene. That's all he heard. You know why? Because I love him. There's something wrong with us. If we can go day in and day out with no desire to hear his voice, with no, no conversations about him, don't want to talk about him, don't want to, there's something wrong somewhere. You can stand and sing, oh, how I love Jesus, all you want to. You, you know what we need? I'm going to speak to, for myself. You know what I need? I need a revival of falling in love with Jesus Christ. You know what America needs? America needs the church to fall in love with Jesus. Not religion. Not even preaching. Not singing. But Jesus himself. I think some of us love preaching way more than we love him. Amen. We love the ministry more than we love him. We love church more than we love him. Y'all, I'm, I'm trying I don't mean to come in here the first time I ever see y'all and kick y'all. I, I, that, ain't, that ain't my heart. But I'm just telling you, what you and I need to do is fall in love with Him that He would be on our mind, that He would be on our lips, that you and I might make it all about Him. Until you fall in love with Him, it'll never be all about Him. John. Oh, John. I'll give you one more. I quit. I can see this. He's in Ephesus now, and old preacher man. Especially with the torture, the I wonder how well he could even walk. Just, just wonder. I can see him, brother Nick, going down to the marketplace. He, he probably having to walk with a stick, cane. Say steps are kind of slow. But I believe, I believe this. If he come in contact with anybody, excuse me, sir. You got a moment. I'd like to tell you about my best friend. Can I tell you about the love of my life? How do you know that, preacher? Because it got him in trouble. Let me ask you, why else would they exile an old preacher to a prison camp? Why? They got tired of hearing him. We'll fix the old preacher. So I'm going to give you this one. Tears that accompanied the Gospel of John, but then I thought about the trial that came after the Gospel of John. Hmm. They exiled him to Patmos. Hmm. Now, after all of that, if that had been me, you better hope I don't get the pen again. 
I'll unload for sure next time. Lord, all I've tried to be faithful to you. If you allow this to happen to me, you probably ain't like me. Oh, but wait a minute. John did get the pen again, didn't he? And when he got the pen this time, guess what? Still all about him. It's something like this. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. <laughs> all about him. Y'all had Jubilee this week. All this preaching. I know you're tired. Preachers giving you a night off. Amen. Has there ever been a time when you all ought to be able to make it all about him? It ought to be now. If not now, probably never. I've got to ask you a question. What's it all about? With you. What's it all about? I'll say this. If you're here this morning, you're lost. I don't blame you for not making it all about him. Why would you? He ain't your savior. Why would you think on him every day? Want to talk to him? Why would you? He ain't your savior. Oh, but for those of us that's been to Calvary. <laughs> for those of us. Felt his touch. For those of us that he's rescued and delivered, why wouldn't it be all about him? I know we're flesh and blood. But if old John could make it all about him, I think you and I can make it all about him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just going to give a, just a moment of invitation. I'll get out of the way and give it back to the preacher. I want to ask you, I just want to ask you again, what is it all about with you? I want to ask this before I get out of the way. I, I'd love to be able to pray for somebody. Maybe there'd be somebody here this, this morning say, Preacher, I'm not saved. My life ain't all about Jesus. But preacher, I, I would appreciate it if you would, if you just pray for me. I, I'd appreciate that. I wonder if they'd be one just slip up a hand and say, preacher, that's me. I, I'm not saved, preacher, and I'd appreciate, though, if you'd pray for me. Would you let me pray for you? Just slip up a hand. Anywhere in the house, I'd just like to pray for you. That's all. I won't come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I would like to pray for you if you let me. Anybody? Anybody? Right quick. Well, I wonder then, I wonder if there'd be somebody here and say, Preacher, I believe with all my heart I'm saved. But the Holy Ghost spoke to me this morning. Preacher, won't you pray for me that I might try to make my life more about Him. More about Him. I wonder if you just slip up your hand. Thank you, sis. I wonder if there'd be another. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
preacher, pray for me. God bless you. I see that. See that. Hey, thank you so much. Preacher, please pray for me. Afraid if, if we're honest, we'd have to say, Preacher, it's more about us than it is about him. I just want to publicly ask the Lord to forgive me this morning. Lord, please forgive me for making it all about me instead of all about you. But I want to leave you with this. Some are praying, but I want to leave you with this and just remind you, you know what Jesus did? He made it all about you. (laughs) Everything was all about you. You say, preacher, what's that babe in Bethlehem all about? Somebody's going to say, preacher, that's all about him. Well, I understand what you're saying, but really? (laughs) It's all about you. Say, preacher, what's Calvary all about? Somebody's going to say, preacher, it's all about him. Well, not really. You know what Calvary's all about? It's all about you. (laughs) Amen. Say, preacher, what's this coming about? Somebody said Jesus coming again. What's that? Somebody's going to say, preacher, it's all about him. Not really. That's all about you. And by the way, you know what he's doing this morning? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he's making it all about you. He's interceding for you. He's made it all about us. Why can't we make it all about 